Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're listening to the 13 Pro-Am Rugby League Show, discussing Saints, Super League, and the game as a whole. Yes, good evening and of course welcome. Uh, my name is Steve Beach, uh, this is the 13 Pro-Arm Rugby League Show. I hope you've had a, a good weekend. Well, we know now where uh, Saints uh, win the grand final rehearsal. Yes, no, no, not not the rugby, the actual weather. Because it was absolutely October in St. Helens uh, the other day, absolutely bucketing it down. So a good practice there for uh, if they do get through to the final. Uh, Nagama out, Hapoati in, yes, uh, announced a little bit earlier on. Will Hapoati coming over to the Saints? We'll be discussing that a little bit later on. And of course, uh, as we were talking last week, the uh, the World Cup has now been postponed. It's been confirmed. Uh, it's been postponed till next year. We'll cast an eye over that uh, on a few of the comments and, and things that have come out uh, over the past week. And... Uh, to join us, as usual, from a panel point of view, we've got Steve Offord, Graham Conliffe, and Dave Parkinson's with us. How are you doing, gentlemen? You okay? Good evening, Ooh. thanks. Good evening, doing good, thanks. So uh, we'll go through the uh, first. We'll go through the obviously the Super League results. Uh, all my pages are sticking together. Uh, it's all this hot sunshine that we're having, and uh, and plenty of rain. Uh, usually more prepared than this but never mind <laughs> don't forget if you're listening on the uh, chat box uh, join in the conversation with us uh, we have got some health really healthy uh, points to to chat about a little bit later on so we'll kick off uh, Leeds Rhinos 18 Castleford Tigers 32 Wigan Warriors 16 Salford Red Devils 6 St Helens 34 Catalan Dragons 12 Huddersfield Giants 22 Wakefield Trinity 18 uh, the Warrington versus LSE match was postponed. And then we've got Lee Centurions 28, Old Kingston Rovers 34. Uh, we'll, we'll kick off first and foremost uh, with the Saints game. Obviously, uh, Saints 34, Catalan Dragons 12. And uh, this is what uh, Christian Wolf had to say about the game and uh, also man of the match, uh, Lewis Dodds. Lewis Dodds, you must be delighted with the, uh, the way he's kicked on from Monday with, with that performance. Yeah, look, I'm really happy with how he's coming along. Um, yeah, he's obviously going to keep improving. And I've said before, obviously, we've got terrific confidence in him and you can see why. Uh, at the same time, we've got to make sure that we're not expecting really big things of him absolutely every game. He's a young bloke and he's uh, he's finding his way out there still. And uh, we're really happy with how he's progressing and he, he's doing a lot of good things. And um, yeah, he's only going to get better, as I said. One try, uh, set another one up, 40-20, and he didn't show his defensive work either, did he? He had a couple of really big plays and a couple of really good plays, and he's very instinctive. Uh, that's what he brings to the team. He's got, a, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> sorry, mate. He's got a, um, 
you know, a, a, a terrific step off both feet. He's got really good acceleration. Um, he can he can play with instinct, as he showed with the plays that you mentioned, the 40-20, the try, the setting up a try. Uh, he's got terrific ability there. And you know, I think where he's going to learn is, uh, is just his game management and that real consistency in his game management. And uh, the thing I've been most happy with, and, and I'll put this down to the time that he spent at nine, is he, he's actually a very, very good defender. And if you watch his defence... Uh, both when back rowers try and find him or when he's got a double defend. Um, he's extremely confident there and extremely competent in how he does it as well. So uh, that's usually the hardest thing to get, and he's, he's got it very well. Just overall, at 18-0, it looks as though you're going to put a cricket score on it. Got a bit messy, conditions didn't help, but overall, are you happy with that 80 minutes? Look, I'm happy that we uh, we did what we had to do. Um, I, I did think that after that sort of, you know, once we did get to 18-0, I just thought we dropped our intensity a little bit and, yeah, we probably didn't really pick our intensity back up until we went down to 12 men, and uh, that was a little bit of a, a little bit of a kick up the backside for us. And now we've got to work really hard. And uh, now sometimes when you can feel that you've you've got a game won, I guess um, yeah, that's the real discipline side of things is to, to is to stick to doing what we do best as a team and having a real discipline about how we do that with the ball and and also obviously without the ball. And as I said, I just thought we dropped our intensity a bit and. Yeah, with that dropped a little bit of um, discipline, and, and that uh, yeah, that made for a bit of an ugly game. But yeah, we've got to be really positive there, and the fact that we found 38 points in terrible conditions um, in a bit of a scrappy, slow game, and um, yeah, we, we again we did what we had to do, and, and we, we come away with a really good win in poor conditions. There you go. There you go. That's uh, Mike Chrisley speaking to uh, Christian Wolf uh, after the game. Uh, before I come to uh, Graham and to Steve, going to go over to Parky because Parky had the pleasure. You've been reporting on this one for the uh, the old paper, I believe, Parky. I was, yeah, yeah. I mean, un- unfortunately, it didn't quite all go to plan because uh, normally I'd, I'd prefer to actually be at a game to uh, write a match report on. And uh, uh, unfortunately, I got pinged on Friday morning, really early on, half past three in the morning, uh, which meant that I had to isolate over the weekend. So I had to come up very, very quickly with some other plans uh, to cover the game. Now, fortunately, this was on Sky, so I was able to sit there in the warmth of my own home, despite the monsoon conditions over uh, at the Totally Wicked Stadium and taking everything that was going on and I've got to say I was pretty impressed with St. Helens I know that uh, you know the the go-to from you guys and obviously from Christian Wolf is that it's 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 always been a work in progress hasn't it and it's never quite up to the standard um, but I thought that certainly the way that they started the game the way that they blasted the way in front 18-0 after like 20 minutes uh, for me the game was virtually done and dusted there and okay there was a bit of a spirited fight back from from Catalan's Dragons um, but I thought as soon as the first try was scored in the second half um, then it was always going to be a win that uh, I was impressed with uh, Dodd obviously people unaware of our uh, chats that we have uh, privately uh, will know that I wasn't too impressed with him the week before against Hull just uh, for me maybe I am expecting too much maybe I'm one of these people that is expecting too much of him he's a young kid who's coming through uh, he's played quite a bit at nine not so much at seven where he's perhaps renowned um, and he's got to learn to to control that team and I guess that because there's other louder voices on the field uh, you know Coote is, is, is a big big player for St Helens and just watching him so closely I picked him as my game staff for, for that reason because mm. everything goes through him uh, you know that he sets the tempo of the game and, and he's usually on the end of a, an attacking move you know by 
bring a pass out or he's there or thereabouts or he's taking defenders off other players to allow them to shine. Um, and I just, I, but I was impressed with Dodd. Yeah, I thought he was a bit quiet against Hull, believe it or not. But um, in, in this game, I, I actually thought that he shone. I would like to see him do a little bit more, but that's just me being uh, a perfectionist and, and obviously liking halfbacks that can take control. But he's learning his craft, isn't he? He's got two very wily characters outside him that will certainly help his progression. But yeah, I thought that was a, a good victory for St. Helens. It could have been a uh, could have been a bit of a banana skin despite Catalan's missing a few players. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought they put them to the sword as and when they needed to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- Steve, I'll come to you next. Uh, surprisingly, again, the kicks on the floor. What, what, where have they got that idea from? Uh, will it catch yeah, on? The, will it yeah, catch on? I think a lot of that is is down to the introduction of Dodd. Mm. I think he gives you that extra dimension where you where you can do that. I don't think Farge really has that in his game too much. It, it tends to be a lot more aerial uh, with Theo Farge when he's got responsibility yeah. for the, the kicking game. Um, overall, happy with the win. Although I thought it was a bit of a phony war. Really, we're expecting this big. Titanic clash between the top two, you know, building the league leaders, shield decider, and all those sorts of things. Uh, but Catalan didn't really have, you know, weren't really playing with a full deck with a lot of players out. Uh, there were three or four that were out it, it, when the squads were named, uh, sort of on Thursday. Yeah. And then on the day of the game, they lost Sam Tompkins as well. He, he dropped out, and uh, and Mickey McAlorum also uh, on the day of the game. So it, the Catalan, they'll be stronger than that when they've got the full side back. So we'll have to see. You know what happens then. I think Saints are still too strong for them. I think Saints defensively would have would have done the job on them anyway. Um, but I don't know. I wonder whether uh, McNamara was playing a, a few mind games and resting one or two there, or whether they were genuinely injured. Uh, and I, I, I wonder what how much store either coach sets by uh, the league leaders shield. How important it is to them because mm. remember last year Christian Wolf practically handed it to Wigan on a silver platter when he picked that team at Salford that lost yeah. us that game. Uh, over, over there um, at a vital time of the season so and, and it's because he, he knew there were bigger battles ahead in terms of the playoffs and the grand final and, and knew if he won the grand final nobody would remember that he lost the leader's shield in, in those circumstances and they don't he's right uh, interesting to, to hear him say again uh, about how it was you know a scrappy game a scruffy game it's always the same isn't it it's, it's every every week it's a scrappy scruffy game that we just do enough in Um as if it's ever going to change, I don't think it will. That's just how who we are. <laughs> Although I do think there are signs of uh, a little bit more expansive playing and improvement in that regard, uh, just because of Dodd's emergence, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, another guy who's emerged quite well uh, and uh, managed to get, I think it was his second try, was Joe Batchelor. Uh, and Jamie Allen caught up with him uh, after the game. Batchelor, first three seconds today and the Champions came out on top. A good win. Yeah, it was a good win. Uh, we wanted to make sure... That we put a marker down a little bit there. Uh, they've got the spot that we want, um, so we had to make sure that we we wanted it really to keep keep it alive. Um, but we want that top spot, and they've got it at the moment, so it was a crucial victory, like you say. Obviously, they had a few missing. Is it tough to try and motivate yourself again to go to go well? It's not tough to motivate yourself, but you you obviously prepare all week for certain players to play. But um, you, we've just got to keep doing what we, we're doing. Uh, whoever gets put in front of us, we're confident that as long as we play our game properly and uh, to to the best of our standards then we'll uh, we'll match it with most people and uh, got another try enjoy that one yeah two two years with London now we've got two so uh, it's uh, it's certainly something that I'm happy with yeah Joe, Joe Batchelor a, a player who's coming on leaps and bounds over the last few weeks and managing to get a game obviously because uh, Bentley's been out injured and, and not let anybody down Graham uh, been playing really well 
Uh, no, I've, I've got to know Joe um, over the last couple of years, uh, going to the Wednesday night keep uh, fit classes run at the Saints, and he's uh, he's the lad that uh, is in uh, in charge of it all, and he, he runs it on a on a sort of a, a mini Saints style training session uh, without without the without the violence. And uh, he's uh, he's a nice lad, and he's just uh, you can tell that he's just buying bag any time. And I think all he's ever needed is a running is a running the side, and he'll he'll do a job. And uh, he's, he's been good in the reserves. I've seen him playing the reserve games, and uh, he's uh, he's a quality player. I don't think we've still yet seen the best of him. I think once he's settled in and gets an established place, I don't think we're buying a second row. I think um, I think we're leaving him in there because he's. Uh, He's got what you need. He's got a bit of pace. You can tackle. You've got a pass in him, and I think um, we're going to we're going to see more. He's, gonna just, he's only going to get better for me. Um, I like him, and I think he'll he'll stay there. Yeah, your your thoughts on the game? Uh, well, I was a bit, yeah, I like stay. I was a bit disappointed when I got. I only got that um, bang on kickoff virtually because uh, stuck in the park in uh, trying to park the car, and um, I was a bit disappointed to see that we had. Um, uh, so many missing, but then again, they had twelve French lads in the team, which was a uh, you know it's a, it's a yeah, well, it depends on which way you want to look at it. But they looked decent lads, some of those. But um, I thought straight away that we wouldn't have any difficulties, and I think it proved that way. Um, I've got a couple of little asterisks, a little asterisk is uh, and, and my notes on the game. I thought Todd was excellent, and he he brings what we've always been screaming out for this uh, over the last sort of eighteen months to improve the side. I mean. Not that we're doing badly at all, but I think improving the side would be um, uh, a speedy seven with a kicking game, and that's what he's got, and that's what he's proved. And I think uh, what we do look like is that we're uh, we're on the front foot a bit more, and we've got a bit more pace about us, and that that uh, is always going to happen with a quick seven. And he's got the brains of a seven, so he's not a manufactured seven; he's a natural, I think. So. I don't have an issue. Joe Baxter was uh, one of my little asterisks um, because he's, he's improving all the time, looking solid. And uh, I think I think we've switched Thompson to the left side, which I think is um, is where he played in for Manly consistently. And I think um, he had a very good, a, a very good game because I don't think anybody noticed that Mike McNeekin was playing. I think McNeekin has been one of the standout second rows in Super League this season. And I think um, Thompson uh, for. for from going from oh disappointed that um it's not really worked out, I think I might actually think oh I'm a bit disappointed he's going home now because I think he's done he's showing now what what he what he, maybe the pressure's off he's showing now that he's he's a quality player. But I thought we we were we never really got a second or third gear, and I thought I was quite happy with it really as a, as a performance. Yeah, Steve, come back to you. Uh, the two Simbinings, what do you think of those? Uh, well, I know a lot of people have questioned certainly the Vitalia one. Uh, it was given for a late hit, I think, uh, on Benjamin Julian. Uh, now it wasn't it wasn't massively late, maybe a step late, but I think this is just down to the the, the overall shift we've had in the rules and, and the way they're interpreted by the officials in, in a bid to try and protect players, which I've not really got much of an issue with. I, I think that's probably a good thing. Yeah, for the game we need to do that to future proof the game. Uh, so I've not got too many complaints about that. Perhaps you could argue. Uh, that he, you know, it, it wasn't you know massively late, and perhaps uh, uh, he could he could have just given him a warning. But that at the moment, that's not the interpretation. So if you're late and the ball's gone, you, you're going to get a yellow. Uh, I think the Chan one that, that's that's open and shut case. I think the ball was no nowhere in the vicinity of Metalchia when he hit him. So that's just definitely a no no. Uh, so that was yeah, that was certainly a fair enough call. 
Yeah. Uh, the other thing was uh, the, the, the first try. Uh, Nagama shot out of the line. In fact, I thought he was deciding to go home at that point. He was that far out of the line. Uh, and he, do, he does it regular and it, and, and it usually comes off. But I thought, as soon as he'd missed, I thought, yeah, they're, they're in here. They'll have a stroll in here. Uh, but all in all, yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed the game, apart from, uh, obviously, uh, the weather sort of just interrupting things uh, to, to a certain degree. Uh, to be fair on that one, Steve, as mm. well, you know, with uh, Naguama sort of shooting up out of the line. I mean, you know, I'm not his biggest fan anyway. Mm. You know, I think, uh, but for his uh, his name and the fact he's got big hair, he'd probably be playing in the championship, in fairness. But uh, that's just my opinion of uh, Naguama. Certainly his brother was only championship standard by the time he'd come over here and playing in this country. And uh, I've not really thought, you know, that great about about him to be fair but um i did like young caesar roger uh who made mm. his debut for catalan he's a, a guy that I, I'd, I'd actually seen before i'd seen him about two years ago playing uh for the france youth team against england youth and he always looked in that game like he got something about him and obviously i know you guys laughed at me for my uh will and want to find any sort of rugby league to watch or even look at over the close season when I was regularly watching French matches yeah. um, and, and I got to see the on strange the, the young, the young dragons you know <laughs> taking the, the field uh, and Cesar Roger was, was one of the yeah. stars there so I thought it was really good play from him to be honest because he sort of double pumped didn't he he sort of looked like he was going to pass it which got uh, Naguama interested he charged off like you said almost on a flight back home to Fiji uh, created that huge gap and then the ball out from Roger was was really good. Um, I thought there were some plus points there for Catalan as well, to be fair. You know, the, the performance of the young centre before he went off injured late on, uh, Matty Laguerre, mm. was, was was sort of really good. So there's there's some some stuff there, but I do take the point that, you know, the rest of the lads have said with regards to... Dare I say the old, uh, the old quote, was it Brian Noble said that, uh, that you practice for Taz and then Jane turns up? Yeah. <laughs> It's true. And the other thing that made me laugh was uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to put my cards on the table. It's Arthur Morg. And, and, and Bill, I'm sorry, no matter how much you try and say it's Arthur. Arthur. Oh, no, it's Arthur. <laughs> it's Arthur Morg. Let's, let's be honest here. Uh, I, I, I do like him. I must admit, he's had a similar sort of treatment as Dodds is getting in the sense yeah. of He's been spoke about a lot. He's, and, and I think what's happening now is it, people are recognising him and he's getting, for want of a better phrase, the treatments where people are, you know, sort of marking him out and, and making a, making sure he's, he's not in the game because he's dangerous. And I'm sure exactly the same thing will happen with Dodds as it, as it moves on uh, through, through his career. But, yeah, I do like him, I must admit. So I that, thought he was excellent. I think he was mm. destined for better things. I mean, he might get a big contract at Catalans, but I think he'll certainly... Uh, could certainly interest the NRL at some point if he gets a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit bigger. Maybe he's not big enough to go to the NRL, but I think he's certainly got the quality. Uh, on just one other point, before we go on, on another game, can I just raise one of life's great mysteries? But a man who's four foot three, how come James Maloney does so many eye tackles? <laughs> every every single tackle is whacking somebody around the head. How did he do it? He's on the spring because he can jump. Because he can jump, yeah. It's a kangaroo. Simple as. <laughs> you remember Sean Edwards? Who oh, yeah. Yeah, Sean Edwards. That's Bradley Clyde in there. Bradley Clyde, yeah. yeah. What a tackle that was. <laughs> Bobby Goulding on Mick Cassidy. Oh, there's some classic South Parks out there. 
So there you go. That's Intelligence 34, Catalan Dragons 12. Uh, got to say good evening to Norm. Norm's joined us on the chat box and obviously he's, he's, he's listening. We're going to move to the next Sky game, which was on last night. Uh, and it was Lee Centurions 28, Old Kingston Rovers 34. Before we go to Parky, we're going to go to uh, to Stay Offered. Uh, Stay, uh, I enjoyed this game. This was one that we were saying last week. Uh, in the past, we would have said it's uh, one of those sort of battles for relegation or... Uh, you know, uh, uh, who's, who's going to scrape the two points, as it were. But it was a good game, wasn't it? Well, it was uh, one that you'd think would be would, would be like, would be close and be intense, like you say. Uh, but last week, when, you, when, you, when we discussed this one, if you remember, I didn't think it would be. I thought, mm. OK, I would win it comfortably. That's because, right, OK, yeah, I've been yeah. playing some good stuff this year. And obviously, Lee have been struggling. Still not found that uh, elusive first win. So I wasn't expecting too much from Lee, but they gave a great account of themselves. And probably with a little bit more... Uh, composure, a little bit more what Christian Wolf might term game management uh, in, in the last uh, sort of part of the game, they would, they may well have hung on for the win. I thought they, if they'd got the win, it'd have been uh, good value for it. Okay, I probably escaped there a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Graham, your thoughts? I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought um, that Lee got a bit of the thin end of the wedge, really. I think it was a little bit of experience at that top level again that just did for them. They sorted the fitness out now that they're keeping in games and with a little bit more luck and a little bit more maybe composure they could have won that but I just felt I felt gutted for them in the end it was a bit of a shame mm. Parker speaking of gutted uh, how, how was it in the Parkinson household because it was I honestly uh, thought they're going to go on and do this I just know they're going on to do this yeah, I've, I've got to say, when it got 18-4 up, I said to my dad, I always watch games with my dad, you know, especially, you know, if it's if it's Lee on telly and we yeah. can't get there or whatever. Um, always sort of watch the games and I was like, Dad, if there's another try that goes all chaos way here at 18 points to four, I said, that's it, we'll fold like a pack of cards and can I find something else to watch? <laughs> However, it was never going to be that way. Uh, I thought Lee started off with some great intent, um, attacked from the opening whistle and scored within the first minute. Uh, this was actually one of uh, um, Junior South's best games for Lee, I thought. He, he ran with purpose throughout. Um, I thought he offered quite a lot of... It caused quite a lot of trouble for the defence at times, just with these straightforward running. It was also Matty Russell's best game in yeah. quite a while too. Absolutely. He was everywhere. I thought his, his carries were, were mm-hmm. superb. He ran for nearly 200 metres in the game, which you go in some to, you're up at NRL levels, aren't you? If you're getting outside backs that are running for nearly 200 metres. Um, so he, he was he was awesome. Um, I, I like what Mellor's doing at the moment, even though it was yet another halfback pairing for the Centurions with uh, young uh, Craig Mullen, mm-hmm. who seems to have played everywhere. In fact, I think he has. He's played fullback, wing, centre, and halfback so far this season. So maybe he's trying to, you know, don that Wellsby hat and yeah. and, and try, you know, for utility value. Uh, but I thought that them two halfbacks kind of worked quite well together. I would like to have seen a, a more proper halfback in there for the kick in. You know, there was no Jamie Ellis, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lee lost Mason early doors mm-hmm. um, before a, a ball was kicked. He was initially in the team. And I think that uh, him and Sidlow would have done really well together. Sidlow was excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, on on the, the other the other foot, um, you had Ben Crooks, who was playing well out of position at fullback, but came up with a good effort. Um, certainly that effort near the end when he patted the ball back uh, and they scored from the ensuing bounce. And, and, you know, I know they looked at it a few times over the uh, the video referee. I've no qualms with that, to be fair. 
I thought that, you know, it, it, if anything, that ball did go backwards, even when it went to ground and they ended up playing on. Um, I, I really like Kenny Dowell. Kenny Dowell adds a little bit of class and that was the one thing that Lee were missing. They had everything else. They got all the other attributes, but didn't have the class in the end to kind of see that game through. Uh, but yeah, from a, from a Lee fan's point of view, I, I'm sort of made up at the effort. Um, I, I was saying just before we went on a, there's one area that I think, and I know some people are going to laugh at this because <laughs> I'm just saying there's one thing that Lee need to fix up. You look at it and you think, yeah, they've conceded another 34 points and the, you know, 580 points or whatever it is conceded in so many games this season. It's definitely the defence. It's one thing about the defence, the marker play, because mm. quite often they either don't commit enough players to the tackle and the other team gets a, a quick play of the ball or they commit too many to the tackle and someone ends up in an awkward position on the floor and then it means that they pick up and run it. Um, and when that happens, then it's danger and everybody's sort of shuffling back and they're on the back foot then trying to defend, which is always a very difficult position to be in. Uh, but yeah, I, I really like Jez Litton and uh, Matt Parcell as well. thought mm. they added an awful lot for Hull. Kingston Rovers and, and they, 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 did just, they did just snatch it um, but I'm pleased with that effort if we get that effort for the rest of the season from Lee they're not going to have lost every single game put it that way mm, I must admit some some big hits in there some really big hits uh, and, and that I, I mean as much as uh, there was you know people penalising <coughs> people simbing etc I think all in all I think the majority of the referee decisions were, were, were correct uh, you know from from, yeah, from his, so. his, his stance in that respect uh, yeah. I think referees hands are tied. I think they mm. have to yeah. think of what they're being asked to do. That's right. You know, the directors from above them, and then it's them that copy from fans when yeah. when people get sent off and, and simbing. Yeah, I think it's it's similar to what happened over in the NRL when we've we've been watching that where there were, uh, you know, sort of really uh, prescriptive uh, on the decision. You know, there was no sort of room for that. It was this is what you do when this happens, and they were all doing it, and that it seems and, to be. Seems to be as you know, whatever happens there comes here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, still, I still think the six again is a bit too random. There were times in that game last night where Lee seemed to be always on the end of the wrong end of six mm-hmm. again and, and Hull scored points off it. And then when you were looking at Hull KR's tackling and, and interference to play the ball, Lee weren't getting the six again. Yeah, it wasn't it consistent, was it? Swung the balance a bit for me. And that's the pro- whole problem with the six again rule, though, is that mm-hmm. you can interpret every play of the ball either way. It's yeah. so hard to judge what is a what is a six again and what is a incorrect play of the ball or you know and so forth. It's very difficult. It can go either way every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norm says a great game to watch. Really felt for Lee. Uh, a couple of harsh calls went against him. Uh, the key one for me was the Sidlow hit and penalty. Uh, compare this with Morgan Knoll's big hit the day before. Neither were yeah. penalties. Uh, got a lot of time for Kurt. I guess I uh, think he's conducting himself really well, which I think he is, isn't he? Uh, oh, he's a great bloke. Mm-hmm. He's a great, yeah, yeah. bloke. I also Again, thought that that try that they gave these lads that I've I've known since he was nineteen years old and playing academy. Sorry, I also, thought, also thought that try that Bette scored was a bit dubious. Yeah, I, I I agree. I agree. It was a good game, all right. A great game for watching. Must have met. Uh, right, a couple, few of the games that uh, obviously haven't been on the uh, on the old box. Uh, Leeds Rhinos eighteen, Castleford Tigers thirty two. That was a, a bit of a surprise. I mean, how many? What what type of te- people have Castleford been borrowing? I'm keeping on long for go to Lee and went thirty two eighteen because if I remember right, like, the week before last, and I think when I was on with Steve last week as well, 
we're talking about Leeds, you know, uh, are, are they sort of the dark horses to a certain degree? Uh, Cast Tigers, uh, stay. Uh, what, what, what's that? <laughs> I couldn't surprising, understand yeah, very yeah. surprising. Uh, Cast have been obviously uh, very fresh because they haven't played since <laughs> April. Um, that's probably what's happened there. Uh, the the, the, the uh, actual personnel, I think, was a lot different uh, for this game than what we saw, uh, for example, against Huddersfield. Uh, last Monday, which they did play for the first time after after Wembley, um, I think they still had a few players out for that one and didn't yeah. really perform. So they brought they brought a few back in for this one, and it's a surprise for Plenton because Leeds were, as we were saying last week, uh, one of the form sides. Mm-hmm. And, you know they've been playing some really good stuff and recruiting really well for next year. So I was expecting to kick, to kick on and uh, and really make a push for the uh, for the playoffs at the end of the season, but uh, didn't go so well for them this week. I've seen a few highlights. Castleford played with the usual kind of wit that they use, got the yeah. ball out to the wingers and scored, scored some tries that way. Uh, Leeds give one away. They, they, they turn the ball over in their own sort of 10-metre zone. Uh, Castleford picked up and, uh, and scored an easy one. So when you're making mistakes like that and giving tries away um, that that easily, it's always going to be a difficult day for you. So um, you know, they need to fix it up, one of Leeds, if they're going to actually challenge uh, come playoff time. Yeah, yeah. Graham, uh, was a surprise to you? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I thought Leeds uh, were doing well, but I think um, Castleford are so inconsistent. They would do. Uh, they used to turn up one day, and uh, they've obviously turned up. I think they've got a, a bit of a spine back there with Evans and O'Brien and Richardson and Jane all back in the right positions. So they're always going to be a uh, um, sort of form. And uh, and Leeds are just Leeds. I think flattered to see most of the time. I don't rate many of the pack to be honest, but um, I think. Um, when Castleford are on it and they want to play, they can they're a match for anybody. So it's not really a surprise to me. Um, I think uh, I think they can go either way those games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parky. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a really good win for mm. Castleford, to be fair. I don't know what I was more surprised about. The fact that they actually named 17 first-team players and didn't bring anybody... Well, I said they didn't bring anybody in from... They had Jimmy Kynos in, right, yeah. in, that, in that position. who made his debut on the Monday. Uh, but there, was, there wasn't an academy player in sight. There wasn't you know players that you weren't really expecting there. Apart from Greg Eden. I wonder where he disappeared. So he pops up and he scores two tries. So he's giving a nudge there to Daryl Powell for a, a position for the rest of the season uh, although we do know with Greg that he is very inconsistent I'd love him on the wing at Leeds to be fair because I just think that you're going to get tries love, but who knows what else you'll get in the space of a game uh, with him there from Leeds yeah flat to deceive a little bit um, very much a, a second choice pack if you like starting because King Vuniyawa got a start, which is very rare. He's been coming off the bench. Uh, Bodine Thompson was in there, who only seems to get limited game time, mm. uh, as was James Donaldson, who's been a, a regular fixture on the bench there. So, obviously, they were mixing things about, uh, thanks to the, all those games that they played in quite a short period of time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, good result there for Castleford, and uh, a rather healthy crowd there of almost 11,000. So, is. you know, maybe things are starting to get back to normal. Yeah. Uh, right, we'll move on to Wigan Warriors, uh, 16, Salford Red Devils, 6. Uh, looks like a bit of a struggle there for the Warriors, Steve. Uh, I, I, I believe at half-time it was pretty close as well. Yeah, I've only seen the highlights. Mm. Uh, a lot of um, penalty goals are noticed in this one. There's, been, there's quite a lot of uh, violence broke out, a couple <laughs> of simbins, uh, lots of um, little scraps and you know push and shove and yeah. those types of things, but a needle perhaps creeping into it. Uh, didn't stop a certain journalist from predicting that Wigan would get to the grand final on the back of this 
scrappy win against the <laughs> struggling side. The media never failed to, uh, you know, to, to support Wigan in their grand final heroic cause uh, late in the season. So, uh, on, yeah, you made that call. Who made that call? Who's predicting was, Wigan will get through? Look, are they going to? Uh, they're going to bore their way to the grand final. Aren't they? He's he's on he's on Wigan for the grand final because they beat Salford um, <laughs> by ten points in a scrappy, horrible, terrible game. Um, Salford, you know the usual. Really had a tough season. Not really gone the way uh, Richard Marshall would have been hoping for. But as we'll discuss later, they made a couple of uh, or a key signing today, yeah. uh, and also sadly lost one. Uh, unexpectedly, uh, so it, it's been an eventful season, but uh, not the sort of uh, season on the field that they would have, have liked. Given that they were in major finals each of the last two seasons, uh, it's been a real struggle for him under the new coach. Mm, interesting. Uh, Wigging uh, sort of just uh, just scraping there against the, the Sulphur Red Devils. Going to move on to Huddersfield Giants against Whitfield Trinity because I, I caught the highlights of this one, and there was a real. Uh, 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 comic cuts try and I think it involved uh, uh, one of the senior brothers I know they were playing against each other uh, and basically if, if I'm not wrong he uh, he, tra- he tried to pass it in his in goal area and passed it to the wrong bloke who then just popped it down on the floor uh, I don't know whether you managed to catch that uh, Parker yeah, it was a bit of a brain box explosion, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember the kick. I remember seeing it and the kick going in and I'm thinking, yeah, he's got that covered. He just needs to take that tackle. But inexplicably, he decides to try and keep the ball alive, doesn't he? And just passes straight into the arms of the uh, the waiting man who all he has to do is touch it down. And then there was a bit of a scuffle that happened right afterwards, That's which right, yeah. I, I thought was quite funny. Um, good win for Hull. Field. They've shown a bit of form over recent weeks, haven't they? That's now three on the bounce. Yeah, Uncharted territory for Ian Watson this season. If I'm not wrong, didn't they go 18 nil down as well? They did, yeah, yeah. And it ended up with some uh, some rather unsavoury comments from Chris Chester, who, you know, is it fair for me to say that? Is he part of the problem there at Wakefield? He's laying it all at the door of his middlemen. Um, surely he's the guy that picks them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and let's be honest, you, you look at the, the guys in those shirts and they're experienced prop forwards. So that's that's not good when your coach is directly criticising an area on the field. But as I said to you off air, they've won 12 games out of 56. Now, if it had been, you know, 40 games that he'd won out of 56, he's got a point and maybe, you know, he, he does need to move players on in that respect. But not when they've been getting beat, you know, four weeks out of five. That, that that for me is just is it's, it's conducting a blame culture, and yeah. this is this for me is when when Chris Chester was under pressure at Hull Kingston Road was before they relieved him of his duties there. Uh, he was coming along a similar sort of vein of, of of sort of comment really, where he was singling out areas of players and suggesting that they weren't doing the job for him. I, I suggest that maybe he needs to refresh his coaching philosophy or look for another club. In fairness, because I don't think it's going to get much better. Mm. Steve, uh, your thoughts? I'd agree with that. I think it's very, uh, it, it doesn't look great when the, co- when the coach is making those sorts of comments uh, about his players because how are they going to respond to that? Some of them will see it as, a, uh, as what I think he intends, which is a challenge, a, a deal, kick up the backside to improve, but others will just resent him and down tools and, and you'll see a worse performance from one or two individuals on the back of that. Uh, so maybe it's. I mean, Chris Chester also, as Dave just pointed out, perhaps needs to look at his, himself, you know, as as and his contribution to the situation. What what could he do, um, you know, better 
to improve their, their, their pretty dreadful record of what was it Dave's just caught statistics there, 12 wins in, in, in what was it, Dave, 56 games or something like that. Yeah, yeah ridiculous, poor record they've got. And I used to say that they, they win one and lose one. They don't, they, they win one and lose four mm-hmm. by the sounds of it. So, you know, they're really struggling. Um, he's got a point when it comes to, you know, they're not, they don't spend as much as other teams perhaps and they're not, they don't get the pick of the, uh, the best players when it comes to recruitment. So his job's difficult in that regard. But I do think they should be better doing better than they, than they are doing. Uh, you know, the bottom three of the league should be well clear of those sorts of positions. Uh, and I think he is as much uh, responsible for that as some of his players that he's pointing the finger at. Graham? Well, it's, yeah, it's, uh, the result says more about uh, Wakefield and Huddersfield, I think. I've just been checking the stats on this. They were 18 nil up after 14 minutes and never never scored another point. Um, you know, that's got to be something down to attitude and coaching, I think, rather than, than skills. They had a pretty, pretty, um, pretty solid team out. I don't think they were missing, missing many. And I would see that Liam Kay at Hooker again. But um, if you go for, if you go 18 nil up after 14 minutes, you must be doing something right. But then for it all to go so badly wrong, that's got to be something more. There's got to be something more to it than that. There's got to be something behind the scenes going on. Mm. I think it may well have already started the. Um, not the recriminations, but the attitude of players to to know to, to what the coach is doing. It clearly can't all be singing from the same hymn sheet mm-hmm. at, uh, at Wakefield. It was interesting to see there as well that obviously they they they, they got high profile halfback going in there earlier on in the season, didn't they? And Mason Lino, we spoke mm, about him. Right, we were yeah. impressed by him when we were talking NRL last season and his performances for Newcastle. We thought he would be a real key performer. Mm. And he wasn't even considered for this. He was the twentieth, you know, he was twentieth man. Um, so either you're hoping that <laughs> you're not hoping that there's an injury, but in a way you are because otherwise, why would you leave such yeah. a talented player like that out? Who has who has got him out of the uh, out of the fat a few times, you know, this ta- this season? Mm. Um, and they've gone for Ryan Hampshire again at halfback. Who I don't I don't care how many times anybody speaks to Ryan Hampshire, and he'll try and convince you that he's a halfback. He's been saying it all his days, all his career. And for me, he's a good fullback. Yeah. Sticking back at fullback. He's dangerous at fullback, but he's not he's not a halfback. He can't control the game. You know, he, he, he he's he's very much more an instinctive player rather than a controller, mm. which, you know, might work for a 19-year-old uh, Lewis Dodd who is, uh, you know, learning his craft and has some of the best players around him. Uh, but it's not going to work when you're 28 and you, you, you've, you've been, you know, you, you've had a spell at Wigan where he was highly rated, but it didn't work out for you. You've gone to Lee and it's not really worked out there for you either. And you've ended up at Wakefield and, and you're still trying to talk to the coach into suggesting that you're a halfback and, and you're just not. So I always look and I always think if I see Ryan Hampshire on a team sheet playing halfback, that team is going to lose because, I, I, you know, I do like the guy. I like him as a player. I like him as a guy, actually. He's, 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 he's very dry-witted and, and it's an interesting bloke to interview, but he's not halfback. Please don't play halfback again, Ryan. Right, Norm's come through on the uh, the chat box again. He says, Chris Chester bagging his players again, followed closely by our, by our mutual friend, Matt Shaw, putting a piece out regarding four new signings for next season and the need for a club to spend more money. Mm. Well, considering they've not got much money or, or, or there's not much, much money available, uh, they're, strange, they're a strange beast, Wakefield. And I think for the last few seasons, we've... We've we've said it, you know, they've always sort of 
uh, flattered to deceive. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll go on and rob and we'll, yeah, or we think, yeah, they're going to do something. And then, you know, it just goes totally opposite and goes does, goes the other way. But we'll keep an eye and see see what happens and keep an eye on Mr. Chester. Uh, I'm sure he'll get the uh, uh, board's approval very, very shortly. Uh so that's it for the Super Bowl League. To, Sorry, to the old vote of confidence. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> so that's it for the Super League. Parky, uh, our friends over in the Championship and League One, now things going on there. Yeah, some some really interesting mm. results actually this weekend, to be fair. Uh, Batley Bulldogs could only name 16 players due to COVID, uh, but they did go ahead with the game. So unlike a lot of the times where you've seen games postponed... Uh, and, well done to them. So yes. Like, so, uh, fair play to Batley. They they already said they've had a hell of a week trying to keep it under control, uh, and yet they were still able to name 16 players. Um, and they really did give Featherstone Rovers mm-hmm. a hell of a game too. They were leading 13 points to 12 at halftime, but I think Featherstone coming down the hill in the second half must have snatched it because that, that's the only thing I can suggest because, you know, Batley are usually very good on their own home ground. And that's a great win for Featherstone, by the way, to be, to be honest. The, the thing is that... Didn't Featherson actually have an ex ex Wakefield player playing for him? Was it Alex Walker? Alex Walker's on loan there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Perhaps he should have been playing for Wakefield in, in some respect. That's what we've just Possibly. been on about. Possibly, but is that's he that, not good enough to play for Wakefield? That's <laughs> a decision. That's a decision for Chris Chester. That you know, but I'm sure he's he's a very competent player. He's uh, mm. he's Walker, and he's going to really boost Featherston over the coming uh, the coming weeks as they look towards this run for a, a potential grand final um i did see a little snippet of chisholm scoring the very first try up the hill actually at batley he showed plenty of pace he's a good player i know i've really yeah. enjoyed when i've seen like him this him. season i've really enjoyed either commentating him or, or, and just sort of watching his general play uh, halifax they're now up to nine wins in a row now thanks to a, a narrow squeak against newcastle mm-hmm. thunder uh, 14 points to 12 that attendance though is so depressing at halifax 1541 you know, they're a better supported side yeah. than that. Come on, Fax fans, get out there, support your side. It's a good run that you're on at the moment and, and certainly your side's doing your sa- yourself and uh, the town proud there. Uh, London Broncos, they can't get a crowd for love and money, can they? Don't matter if they're in Super they? League. 500 is the declared attendance in the in the League Express uh, and they weren't much cop on the field either. I mean, I know they were coming up against a, a, a red hot, to lose Olympic, Mark Carella back on form the mm-hmm. Vivi scoring three tries Peru scoring a couple of tries as well Ford also in there right in the thick of things um, they're such a good side to watch at Toulouse Olympic and uh, I would be very surprised if anybody can stop them now uh, obviously they played against Featherstone last week and got the better of that encounter mm-hmm. too uh, but a- another good performance there for Toulouse Olympic 66 London Broncos 6 um, this was one which I was really watching because um, over recent weeks my good friend uh, Stuart Littler has unfortunately lost his job at Swinton Lions to be replaced in the top job by another good friend of mine Alan Coleman his assistant uh, and ever since he's gone into the front office well they've won one they've drawn one they drew this game 22-22 with Oldham uh, what a cracking game that was and uh, it still means that uh, my, my other good friend Mr McDermott is hunting for his first victory <laughs> since getting involved uh, with uh, the Oldham Ruffieds is he a coach? Uh, Hatton scoring a couple of tries there for Swinton I don't know. I don't know. You'll have to ask him that. You know, is he a coach? Who knows? I think he's official title as coaching consultant, isn't it? Whilst he's there. Um, but I will say again, Swinton Lions, 
Another friend of mine, Dean Meadows, went on tour with him a couple of years ago. Lancashire lad, you know, um, had been playing for Shevington Sharks. Let's give them a, a big mention. You know, we, we, we speak about them quite a bit on our uh, community show, don't we? But mm. uh, he scored the final try. Um, and I tell you what, he sent that crowd into raptures, over 1,500 there. So that's a, a really healthy uh, crowd there at Swinton Lions. Great result, this one for Whitehaven. Whitehaven, 20. Dewsbury, mm. Rams, 18. Uh, and ever since uh, Louis Geoffrey has gone back there uh, the Frenchman's been finding the form so too have Whitehaven so really good performance there and uh, with these Vikings they've got a habit of not scoring points in the second half and they, they, they're keeping that a pretty good record I tell you what if there was a table for not scoring any points in the second half Whitney should be top of it for the whole rugby league because over the last uh, somebody once quoted like the um, the stats it's something like 40 of the last 60 games they've wow. lost a second half you know, and some of those they've not scored in, you know, so that just kind of like tells you a, a lot of the issues that they've got. Um, nice to see O'Hagan there. We spoke about him earlier in the season and he was the uh, the young Australian halfback that York City Knights had was really catching the eye early season. He's had a huge spell where he's been out of the uh, of play. Uh, he's got back on the field. He scored a hat-trick uh, and Widnish were beaten by 34 points to 20. In Betfred League One, Barrow Raiders, who's going to stop him? T. Ritson, the man on form there, four tries. I believe it was a great performance from Maludi as well. He sent her, who, of mm. course, uh, spent time with Hull That's and right. uh, Toronto as well in Super League. Um, 40 points to 10 against Hunslet. Coventry burst 16, North Wales Crusaders 32. Nice try there for John and Gibson, my friend and yours, Steve. And uh, Massam also scoring a couple of tries. He is a right try machine at that level. He's uh, Massam. Uh, good win that on the road for North Wales Crusaders. Coventry Bears have been coming up with some outstanding performances recently, particularly on their own home ground. Uh, Workington Town, they handed a debut to Lee Postlethwaite, a guy who I went on tour with in 2018. Now, look at all these. They're all my lads on all these guys now. So it's, it's great to sort of give them a bit of a mention in this. Uh, Workington had a great result away at Keithley, 22 points to 18. Rochdale just squoze past London Scholars by the narrowest of margins, mm. 38 points to 34. That was after the Hornets led 24-14 at half time. And this, you can forget your St. Helens 34, your Catalan Dragons 12. You can forget your Wigan Warriors going on to the grand final. This was the biggest result of the season for me. This is superb. West Wales Raiders 24, Doncaster 24. Yeah, they've done what uh, Lee couldn't do, apparently. Got a point. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was great to hear that West Wales, I mean, at least getting a point. Because certainly I know the week before they played North Wales Crusaders and got the cleanest put through them. Uh, so it just goes to show, you know, if you stick, stick to it, you know, you can uh, get get uh, some benefits. So uh, there's uh, some some good results there, Parky, wasn't there in that uh, in the, the the other divisions this week? Some some really good games actually. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately we didn't mention Bradford Bulls and Sheffield Eagles, which got postponed due to COVID reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this time round, that was the only fixture that fell foul of it. Women's Super League. Uh, what, what's the score with that? Because it uh, it's had a bit of a break, hasn't it? It has, yeah. It's split up now. So we've got the uh, the Women's Super League Shield uh, between the bottom five clubs yeah. and the top five clubs are obviously playing for the, the Super League title. Yeah. So the top five clubs, which include St. Helens, of course, that doesn't actually get going for another, another week or so. Um, however, 
there was a game at the weekend uh, which saw uh, Huddersfield Giants come from behind to defeat uh, Warrington Wolves 28 points to 26. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this sort of um, pans out. I think that we're in for quite a high quality second half of the season, really, as far as the women's Super League is concerned. Uh, and particularly when you look at it, um, you know, I mean, the first the first game in the Betfred Women's Super League playoffs is Castleford against Leeds which is mouthwater in itself. St. Helens against a much improved York City Knights or Castleford A, if you want to call them that. I don't mm-hmm. know. I I got mixed up the other week, didn't I, when I was on commentary and I, I slipped up. <laughs> and at one point when York had possession, I called them Castleford, but that's because they have got six of the direct players in the squad. So, you know, there was uh, quite a few areas there. Um, so from a St. Helens point of view, that kicks off on Sunday, the 22nd of August, St. Helens against York City Knights. Uh, then the next game is on Sunday, the 5th of September, Leeds Rhinos at home to St. Helens. And then get yourselves warmed up for this one. Sunday, the 19th of September. It's only St. Helens are Wigan, isn't it? Uh, so we've still got to wait and find out exactly what they're going to do for uh, streaming and, and, and broadcasting of yeah. those games. But I would imagine that there's several of those that will make their way onto a sky. Yeah, I don't think you're right there, Parker. TV box somewhere near you at some point. Yep. Uh, Norm says, uh, certainly a, a big shout out to Batley and the chairman. Uh, for their, their approach on fulfilling fixtures. And I totally agree with you there, mate. Uh, and credit to Whitehaven, punching well above the weight at the based on the budget and London in crisis. Mm. Interesting there from Norm. So there you go. That's the roundup of, of the results. Moving on to our topics. Uh, we're going to go on to one that me and Steve uh, spoke about in depth last week because we had we had the nod basically that the, the World Cup was going to be postponed, but it wasn't actually official when we were having a, a, a chat about things. Uh, so just before we get into uh, that conversation, obviously with Parky and Graham with us as well, uh, uh, whilst we were on a podcast, it was a, a would have been a pre-match press conference uh, with Christian Wolf. Uh, he was asked certainly about uh, how, from a Tongan point of view, were it, you know were they disappointed that the World Cup had been postponed, and what were their uh, thoughts on it? And the, this is what he had to say. Uh, yeah, look, um, from a Tongan point of view, and, and we we certainly made it clear that um, you know both myself and our our players were committed to if the World Cup went ahead then we were certainly committed to being a part of the World Cup. And um, that was regardless of what Australian New Zealand stance was. We were more than happy to crack on and, and be a part of the World Cup. And what we've seen is a, a really exciting opportunity. Um, you know, over the course of the last weeks, the last couple of weeks, with how everything's sort of transpired and, and um, you know, the, the decision of Australia and New Zealand, and probably more importantly, um, you know, the, the stance of the NRL clubs. And I, I made the point last week that I can certainly understand where the NRL clubs come from. They're protecting what, you know, they're protecting their their biggest assets, their players. Um, they're doing what they think is best in terms of player welfare. And I do understand that it's a very different landscape if you're sitting in Australia to what we've got sitting over here. So I don't hold it against them. And, and I, I do understand their point of view, even though we've got a different point of view. And, um, I'm really disappointed that the World Cup is off. Uh, as I know all of our players are, we were, would have loved it to have gone ahead. But as I said, over the, the last couple of weeks, the way things have started to transpire, I, I, I do think it probably is the, the correct decision. And you know, one thing I would like to say is, um, 
I've, I've got an enormous respect for John Dutton and the way he's sort of gone about things. And I think he's been put in a really difficult position. But what I think he's done is he's been really transparent. He's, um, he's, he's carried himself and handled himself really well within those tough decisions. And you know, he's been willing to come out and say, well, this is how it is. And, and this is the difficulties that we face. And these are the decisions that we've got to make. And, yeah, I think he deserves a lot of credit for the way he's handled himself and for making the right decision at the end of the day. There you go. That's Christian Wolf with his Tongan hat on, if there is such a thing, uh, given his, the, his feelings uh, with regards to the, the World Cup postponement. Uh, I'll come to you, Dursley, uh, with regards to uh, John Dutton. Uh, mm. I, I thought those comments might interest him out. <laughs> yeah. Well, not for the first time on this programme. I disagree with Christian Wolf wholeheartedly. Uh, first of all, I don't agree with him that it's the right decision. Uh, I think they should have been bold and brave and gone ahead with it and uh, you know promoted the international game irrespective of the involvement of Australia and New Zealand. Uh, but secondly, uh, on the other point about John Dutton, I, I think my, my view on that is he's, he's escaped scrutiny about this to a certain, to a certain degree. I think... Uh, I understand he's a, a very difficult job to do, and he's done a good job, you know, getting the thing organised and, and all the build-up to it, and got all that sort of stuff right. Uh, but he's been very much portrayed as uh, the victim in this, which is true to a certain extent because the NRL have caused the situation by, you know, putting the club's interest first and the self-interest first, and pulling the pulling out the uh, national teams, having the New Zealand and uh, 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 RL national team the same. Um, but I think what you don't do is you don't make a statement saying it'll definitely go ahead uh, a couple of weeks prior to the, to the, or a couple of months prior to the event uh, and, and people buy tickets on the strength of that. And when you ask, and when you get asked about what happens if Australia and New Zealand don't turn up, you say there's a contingency. Well, clearly there wasn't a contingency because the contingency is the postponement for a year. Now, when he said there was a contingency, to me that implied there was a plan for it to go ahead mm. this year if Australia and New Zealand don't participate. But that uh, is not obviously what's transpired. So I think there are questions there to be asked of Mr. Dutton. Um, but uh, yeah, generally, I, I will reiterate what I said last week, which is that I think uh, the, the greater part of the blame lies with the NRL, who have uh, just put themselves and their, their own interests first. Yeah, uh, obviously, uh, Graham, uh, myself and Steve had, had, had a good in-depth discussion about about this last week with a couple of guys uh, who, who were on the uh, on the chat box. Uh I mean, from my point of view, uh, by, by cancelling it, it just uh, gives the NRL more strength now. It plays into their hands from that point of view for going forward with any other things they want to do. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Yeah, I'm very much on, on, on Steve's side, on the side of Steve on this one. I think it's a, it really is tail wagging the dog stuff. And I think I have read somewhere, and I can't believe that this is, um, this is actually correct, and I, but I think it is, that Nothing that was written down and confirmed and nobody was signed up as being obliged to play here, which is why they just Australia and New Zealand just walked away um, um, shielding themselves behind COVID for want of a better expression. Um, I think we should have just gone ahead, played it without them and said, look, you're not world champions anymore. Tonga are world champions. Um, and, and gone ahead with, a, with a, an exhibition of the game, which is not actually just... The, 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 the men's team, there's all sorts of other things going on behind this, and then plan to go with the, the ladies' 
ladies' matches and the disabled games, and, and there's there's a lot to be there's a lot going on, not just um, not just the main the main games, obviously, but I think there's something not quite something not something not quite right. There's more to come out of this, I'm sure. And while John Duck might be doing a great job and he's tried hard, tried his best and whatever, you can't have a situation where teams can say, "Oh, I'm, I'm not coming," without any penalty. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think there's more to come out of this. It is a shame, um, and I think um, Christian was probably a bit gutted because he reckons he would have won it without Australia and New Zealand. But um, it's just. I just think we should have taken the stand and said, right, if you're not coming, you're not coming. We're playing it. Uh, there you go. What can I say? It, it, it's just disappointing for me. Yeah. Uh, Parker, I mean, I, I agree with what Steve's saying and, and Graham with regards to John Dutton's got to carry the can uh, because he's he's the first of the thing. But what, what, what about the board? What about the international board? Surely they've got some responsibility around this as well. I think it just shows that the international board is a toothless tiger, isn't it? When it comes to international rugby league, when I mean, basically we just do whatever New Zealand and Australia wants us to do. Um, I'm really disappointed at this. You know, I'm, I, I could go off on a parky rant here, but I'm going to try and keep it fairly brief. Um, uh, you've just got to look at the Australian record since they won the world cup 2017, they played four matches. So we can't look to Australia to push our international game because they're not interested. Unless they're winning and winning well by 50, 60 points, Australian public don't want to know. You know, and of those four games, they've only won two of them. No wonder they're hiding. No wonder they don't want to come across. They know that we're catching up. They know the rest of the world is catching them up. They know that they've created the perfect storm in the NRL now where there's so many island nation players Mm -hmm. that when they go back and they represent their home countries they're actually a better team than Australia, regardless of the, the superstars that Australia could name. And, and I'm gutted as a as a rugby league fan, first and foremost, that we won't get the opportunity to see your lateral Mitchells come over here, lighting up the stadium. We won't get the opportunity to, you know, perhaps see a Tommy Trevojevic, even though you, you, look, you look at it and you think there was a way around this, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. And that was a case of saying, you know what, we're not going to play you anyway come across if you want to play for your other country of uh, that you can represent I mean can can you imagine James Tedesco running out for Italy mm. what a brilliant coup that would have been for the competition so yeah I'm I'm, I'm really disappointed um, unlike I think as, as Steve said I don't want to lay it all at John Dutton's door uh, I think he, he was left in a, a really difficult position um, and obviously it sounds like they've never got anything binding uh, to, for everybody mm. to participate in it. Uh, what, what I'm more disappointed about is that it wasn't just about men's rugby league. There was women's rugby league. Right, yeah. There was wheelchair rugby league. You know, this, this wheelchair competition was looking to be something fantastic, something that we haven't really seen before, certainly over here as far as rugby league goes. There's much more than just men's rugby league regarding rugby league these days. Um, I, I mean, we, we heard in our our sister show last week, didn't we, from Masters, how Masters were planning stuff. That's right, yeah. Around the Rugby League World Cup. Now, that's that's going to be all, uh, all, all pushed to one side, and they'll probably end up doing something because that's just the way that Masters Rugby League and the people behind them are. But it's so, so disappointing. And I, I don't know, I, I just think... Um, you know what? I'd really sort it. Welcome them with open arms next year. The next time it comes around to the World Cup, you make them both qualify mm-hmm. by playing against each other. So that way, 
you eliminate one of them straight away. And that's the punishment. That's the punishment that they've got you. Next time they play a trans-Tasman test, have that going towards the World Cup for next year. You know, that's the qualifier. Whoever wins that, they're in the World Cup. If not, uh, apologies, apologies, people listening, but bugger you. Get rid of you. Sod off. We don't want you. Well, I know last week when me and Steve were were talking, uh, and obviously the Olympics has just finished, and we're saying there was times when uh, America boycotted the the Olympics, uh, and there was times when Russia boycotted the Olympics. The Olympic Committee didn't say, oh, well, well, you know, they're not coming. Well, we're not going to have it this time. It, yeah. For me, it makes no difference. If it's a World Cup, whether they're not there, they are there or not, it, why say, no, it's not a competition without them? Yes, it is a competition. In fact, it would probably have been a more worthy and watchable competition in the sense of you wouldn't have known who was going to win. I mean, you might you might also argue that having seen the behaviour of the uh, of the Australian seven side on the way back home from that, were the NRL uh, worried about how the Australian team would have uh, behaved on the plane going home? Who knows? True, true. Uh, I think also it, it points to yeah. how little faith we have as a sport in our own yeah. product. Yeah, cancelled. They postponed it for for me because they're terrified that it won't make money without those two, and that's is because they've got no faith in the product. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's what it comes down to, Steve. Is, is, I mean, I know, uh, was it not the last one, the one before, where it, it didn't make the money that they were looking forward to at the end of the day? 2000, was yeah, it 2000? a disaster. Uh, the thing is, surely if you've got a, a, a competition that would have, okay, may, may have been a slow burner in the sense of, okay, New Zealand aren't here, Australia aren't here, but some of the results that would have started to come through wouldn't have been your usual, you know, or uh, New Zealand have pasted such and such a ball, Australia have hammered such a ball. You, you'd, have, you'd have got, you know, sort of more interest in, in those sorts of stuff. There would have been more stories in that respect, which would have built, you know, to, to uh, quarters, semis. And, and then you, you're sort of looking at, you know, is England going to be the winner? Is it going to be Tonga? Is it going to be France? Have Jamaica come through? Have they pulled a surprise of, of some of the others? For me, that would have been, you know, a, a bigger thing than, oh, who were Australia playing in the World Cup final? Yeah, yeah definitely. You know, definitely. just not lots of the bigger picture. And then same we were saying with regards to the women's game, the women's game, and we've all said it on here, uh, that if there ever was a showcase now, for certainly for the women's game, from, from our point of view, from an English point of view, uh, you know, to sort of uh, push how it's going over here, because we talk about the way it's played over in in, in Australia, that the the play they play shorter halves for starters, but they will automatically think that they are the best, as it were. But our girls, you know, whether it be uh, uh, the English girls or, or, or Wales or whoever, that you know, they're, they're not going to get that chance, are they? And that's not fair. No. That's just not fair. Uh, and it doesn't matter for me that uh, you know your you, your big guns out there, tough. So for the end of the day, get a competition on. And the the writing was kind of on the wall, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. When the NRL decided that they'd named their NRLW season right at the time when the World Cup was meant to be being played. That shows how little regard that they have for the international game. Um, so, so yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm with everything that's been said. I'm really, really disappointed. Um, although there has been some dissenting voices, hasn't they, saying, well, maybe it might be good if we, it's, it's back to next year. I noticed Tony Smith's on that bandwagon. Uh, but then again, he always seems to take the opposing view of whatever, doesn't he? It's, 
But again, I'll go back to a point here that Steve said last week, and Steele backed me up 100% here. Who's to say there's going to be any difference next year? It could be exactly the same scenario. Well, there's what's a panel again. What do we do then? We, we might have sorted ourselves out by then. It might be rampant in Australia. We won't win. <laughs> <laughs> well, the issue is, going is they've got to the moment, they've got to quarantine mm-hmm. when they go back. And that's why they, that's the sticking point. There's nothing to say, though, that that quarantine restriction will be lifted You know, by this time next year. We don't know that yet. So there's there's always, you, you know, it's one of those where they've got to turn around and say, right, uh, we've had our, the Wallabies have been over, we've had all our people who have gone to the uh, Olympics, etc. They've got to look at that and start thinking, well, surely we've now got to reevaluate what, what our process is and, and, and get on and live with this, uh, get, live with this virus, because that's what the rest of the world is starting to do. But I... That's the World Cup. Well, uh, I'm sure loads of other things will come up and, and as we get back to it next year as well, uh, there'll be some interesting things. Moving on, Kevin Nagama has uh, called it a day. We say it's this going to be his season and he's going to go back. Uh, and uh, we were umming and ahhing whether he would actually be staying or not. We had a feeling that it, uh, because there was uh, three of them who had the forces tucked together, Coots, uh, Farge and uh, uh, Kev with the... Uh, the old trophy uh, together at the uh, at Wembley, which for me prompted, and you know, does that mean they're all on the way? And obviously, Kev's now said that uh, he's uh, he's uh, thanks very much, but uh, I'm going to go back. Uh, and uh, again, uh, we had a word with Christian Wolf with regards uh, Kevin Nagama and uh, his decision. Yeah, look, 100. Um, you know, uh, carries himself extremely well. He's really well respected. Uh, off the field, firstly, and because of the person he is, but he's obviously really respected on the field as well, and you know uh, how he plays and how he competes for our team. And um, look, I'm really, really proud of, of both Kev and his wife Lily. Um, you know, the last 18 months has been really tough for everyone, obviously, but uh, when you look at their personal circumstances and you know, what they've had to go through, and what they've had to go through a long way away from any family support whatsoever, and, and the, the yeah, they've had to do that really on their own. Um, and I'm really surprised in those circumstances, to be honest, that Kev hasn't come and knocked on my door and said, I'm going home earlier. And as I said, I'm really proud of the way that, yeah, that they've sort of uh, got themselves through that and supported each other. Um, I'm also really proud of the way that our playing group in particular have, have got around Kev and got around Lily and supported them and yeah, helped them get through a really tough period. And um, yeah, we're really happy with the fact that Kev hasn't come and knocked on the door and said that he wants to go home earlier and that he's going to finish the year here. And I think you see in the last couple of weeks what the you know, him, him being here is a real show of, of what the, the club and the, and the team and his, and his teammates mean to him. And I think you've seen that in his performances in the last couple of weeks as well. And, yeah, we're really looking forward to what he's going to do over the back end of the year. And uh, we're really glad that we've, we've got him here for the back end of the year. And uh, we certainly want to make sure that we send him away with some, some good memories. Yeah, it's Christian Wolf on Kevin Nagama. Kevin made his debut uh, against Wigan Warriors, would you believe, in 2019 uh, with a 22 points to 12 win. And he actually scored on on his debut. Uh, he's been involved in 69 matches up to now. Scored 35 tries. 
58 wins and 11 losses he's been involved with. So that's uh, uh, it's a surprise, isn't it? So, so many wins. Uh, Steve, your thoughts on Kev uh, Nagama? Uh, you surprised that he's uh, not signed under contract or did you feel that he was on his way back? No, not really. I think it was always on the cards. There was quite a lot of discussion about it um, for a while now. This is one area where I do agree with uh, Christian Wolf. It, it can't have been easy for him, uh, you know, mm-hmm. for any overseas player in the in the, in the Super League or, or in this country, uh, you know, through the um, COVID situation, not being able to go back and visit family and those sorts of things. It must be very difficult. So it, it's refreshing to see someone, you know, stick the contract out and, 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 and mm. you know, fight through that. And, and he's played pretty well, I think, through it as well. Uh, you know, for most of the time, I think his record either speaks for itself. Really, 30, thirty-five tries is not a bad return um, for a team that doesn't play particularly expansively. For a centre to score that many tries is a reasonable effort. He's also got two grand final winners rings and, and now a Challenge Cup uh, winners medal. So it's been a very um, lucrative time for him, let's say, in, in, in the trophy hall front. Uh, so all in all, I'd say it was. I'd say it's been a successful spell. Uh, there have been some times which I can yourself and. Uh, and Dave pointed out earlier on about his uh, defensive uh, habits. He does uh, like to shoot out the line a little bit and uh, leave himself a bit uh, exposed at times. But, but the game's about entertainment, so I think what he gives you in attack, uh, for me, compensates for some of his uh, defensive yeah. um, eccentricities, I'd say. Four pass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Graham, uh, I mean... Well, as, as Steve says, he's, he's seen out his contracts, Um I don't know anything about the personal circumstances in any well, detail, I be- but I, I believe um, I, I believe if I'm not wrong, I think his his wife's had a child while they've been over here, and obviously with all the uh, uh, COVID sort of yeah. thing, yeah. I think he had to actually watch it by FaceTime from the car park. Uh, oh dear, what, mm, which, yeah, uh, it's, it's it's difficult. So, no, but to, to have seen out his contract mm. um, is 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 incredible. and I, I, I have a slightly different view. I think um, he's all, he's running out of the line to. To try and shut down a tactics and instruction. I don't think he does it on purpose uh, of his own volition. Um, and it got, it's caused a few ruptures now and again. But generally, I think I thought his defence has been pretty good when he's he's one on one tackling is is fine for me. Um, I think it's been I think it's been a decent sign. Uh, I know I know Dave has a different viewpoint, but I think he's uh, I think he's the right quality, and he certainly uh, he'll show you his medals, Dave, if you ever meet him. Um, <laughs> so you, you can you can discuss his performance with him. Um, I, I, I think he's. Uh, I think he'll be missed at the end of the day. I think he'll be missed. Yeah. I, I remember uh, when we went down to the uh, uh, pre-season. Uh, press conference uh, when him, Cootie and Joseph Paolo, if you remember, have been signed by uh, Justin Holbrook. Uh, and they were looking at the pictures on the wall of, and they couldn't make the mind up whether it was actually Jamie Lyon who was on the wall <laughs> or not. Because they're all obviously like uh, sketch type pictures. The cartoon types, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah I, I must admit, it, uh, I, I've enjoyed his play, I must admit. Uh, Parker, your thoughts? professional good mm. professional think he's past his best think he's well past his best I thought he was past his best when St. Ellen signed him but he's done alright over here hasn't he as you say he's got those medals he's enjoyed a couple of seasons in our uh, uh, experiences what we've been having um, very professional him to see out his contract you know so full kudos to that 
because uh, I do feel like, you know, we've alluded to on this show, there's so few players that actually see out what contracts they've signed because either they, they fall foul of some sort of code at a club, uh, disciplinary issues crop up, or they fall out with somebody and demand a move, or the the agent starts getting involved. So you know, for fair play to him for all of that. I, I wish him all the best in going back uh, to Australia or his homeland, and uh, hope that maybe it's not the last that we've seen of him. But I, I, although I, I do think he's a spent force at the very top level. Well, just hang on, we're just getting some news in. Apparently, it is going to be going to Lee, and I don't know how true. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, oh no, that's fake news. You, so that's you, fake you know news. that's going to happen. You know that's going to happen, particularly on the back of the Tompkins news, because Joel Tompkins is another player that I, I I haven't really rated for many years. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just on Twitter. I'm reading Mick Gledill's uh, Twitter account there. Uh, right. So, somebody's talking about the beaches and <laughs> So obviously there, uh, Kev's going and uh, Will Hopawati coming in. Uh, and there's only one man to go to to tell us all about NRL stuff. Uh, it's got to be Mr. Orford. Tell me about Mr. Will Hopoati, Steve. Well, for me, uh, you have to give any signing uh, a chance. Don't you? you can't judge a guy before he gets here and you see him play a few games. Um, but looking at his record today, and he's only scored one try in 20 games uh, for the Bulldogs this season, and he's got three assists. Uh, so... Not not blinding statistics, but uh, the Bulldogs, as we know, or, or at least until we covered it till a few weeks ago, uh, they were struggling. They didn't score that many points, it has to be said. I don't know if that's continued since we stopped covering it. Uh, probably. I don't, I'm not too sure, but not been following it last, the last few weeks. I'm still on my one-man NRL boycott following the uh, World Cup withdrawal, so I've not seen much of it. Um, but he looks a solid enough acquisition. Uh, but I do think... He, from what I've seen of him, it does look like he is tailor-made for what I would term the Christian Wolf Ball uh, style. Yep. Uh, he's more kind of about brawn and strength than he is flair and, you know, excitement, I would say. Uh, so I think defensively he'll be good. I think he'll fit right in there uh, and he, he will certainly do a job. Um, but again, as I said, if it's an NRL import, usually... Because they played the NRL, that makes them good enough to play Super League. But you get the odd one who doesn't, for some whatever reason, reproduce that form. And you, you Josh Perry's of this world who uh, who struggle. Um, so I'll have to wait and see on that one when he comes over. But uh, for me, I prefer the Nagama style uh, of centre to the uh, Hopoati style yeah. of, of centre. But uh, I'm sure it'll work out okay. Mm. Graham, will Hopoati? Yeah, I don't. To be fair, I don't know enough about him. Um, I know we watch a fair bit of NRL, but can't say I've seen many of the Bulldogs games or, or noticed him particularly. But I think I have to take it on trust that um, Christian Wolf knows him from the Tongan games. He's, he's played state of origin and for Tonga. Quite how that worked out, I'm not sure. But um, um, he's, he's clearly got um, mobility, and I'm looking. For, I'm looking forward to seeing how he measures up. Mm. Uh- uh, Parky, I don't know whether you know much about Mr. Apoate. Uh, I do, actually. Yeah, yeah. He made his debut back in 2010 for Manly. Uh, actually had a prolific spell there at Manly. 22 games and 14 tries. And then, ever since then, the tries have dried up, unfortunately. He did go away. And uh, because he, he, he is... He's, he, 
his faith is Church of the Latter-day Saints. Let's hope that he uh, is Church of the present-day Saints by the time he gets across here. Um, but he did actually leave Rugby League for a couple of years and go and, uh, go and complete a placement. Uh, you know, sort of like a, on a mission, a mission, missionary sort of time. Um, obviously, many of those guys that uh, you know are from St. Helens and working Wigan will know what missionary work is all about. <laughs> um, you know, but no, back back to the seriousness. Yeah, um, I think he's a solid player. Thirty-eight games for the Eels as well. Hundred and twelve games so far for uh, Canterbury Bulldogs. Uh, Forty-five tries in one hundred and eighty games, though. Mm. He, he's he's. Uh, it makes me wonder what they're getting St. Helens. Are they going to play him at centre? He's played quite a bit at centre this year. Can also play wing and fullback as well. So he does offer that little bit of, um, you know, versatility within his game. Particularly if you look at, you know, Tommy Makinson's missed a, a huge swathe of the season this year, hasn't he, because of injury. Uh, and, you know, there's not going to be cute next season. That, okay, Wellsby's the man that everybody's looking to, to step up in that fullback berth. But if Will Hopper-Watting could come over and play a couple of positions, then that is surely something that I think Christian Wolf will have looked at. Yeah. Um, solid player. Like you say, stats don't really back it up. But he has been averaging almost 120 metres a game in, in the NRL this season. So, you know, you've got to be going some to be doing that. Uh, that's that's a reasonable statistic for an outside back, uh, particularly when the average in Super League is about 80 metres. So if he can reproduce that sort of form, then, you know, I'm sure that uh, Saints fans will be happy. Um, is he coming over and is he just slightly past it, like I said about our friend Mr Naguama? I guess we've got to wait till he gets here. Uh, I think 29, I think. So 29, 29. he's on that sort of Cusp. rearing towards that sort of age where yeah. he's not yeah. uh, he's not on the up, let's say. It might, but he, it has, might he, has, he has, but he has had a couple of years out, so that makes him yeah. twenty-seven in rugby league terms, really. Yeah, oh, that, yeah. that's Mars on the clock and all that. Yeah, if he behaves half as badly as his dad, though, we're in big trouble. <laughs> oh no, he's not had any of those problems. Thankfully, he's not had any of those problems. There's, there's no dodgy tackle technique there. Okay, he won't be getting letters from the RFL. Then. There's no chance of fingers going missing. That's for sure. <laughs> Right, uh, you just totally throw me off here now. Uh, so that's Will Opuata. Uh, other player movements, uh, Austin going over to Leeds. Leeds Rhinos have confirmed the signing of Great Britain International. That always makes me laugh. International broadcaster <laughs> from Super League rivals Warrington Wolves for the 2022 season. On a one oh, the word international makes me laugh. <laughs> he will join up with a fellow new signing, Aidan Caesar, Edding Lent, with the pair having played alongside each other at Canberra Raiders for three seasons between 2016 and 18. Austin joined the Raiders in 2015 from West Tigers, where he played alongside Rhinos forward Bodine Thompson and started his career at Penrith Panthers, making his NRL debut a decade ago in 2011. So uh, Austin to Leeds uh, on, on a 12-monther. Hmm. Do you think that's just because it's a bit dodgy going back to Australia at the moment? Uh, Parky? Uh, potentially, yeah, but... Um, I- I like I like Austin. I think he's a half decent player in there. He's he's wildly inconsistent and has been proven to be a wildly inconsistent Super League player. But I think combining him there with Caesar is a very good move because the two of them led Canberra to a grand final uh, a couple of years ago. So you know, there's plenty of know-how there between the pair of them. And if they can strike up that understanding, then it certainly takes Leeds to a, a different level of play than they have been. 
uh, coming up to. Um, it, it would get me questioning what's going to happen to the existing players that can play halfback there at Leeds. Are they going to get disgruntled? You know, is uh, Luke Gale going to throw his dummy out of the pram? Is he, you know, going to get moved on? Is he going to move on at the end of the season? Mm. Are Castleford going to sign him back? You never know, because he seems to be putting a bit of a band back together over there, does Radford, doesn't he, for next season over at Castleford? So, but yeah, interesting move. Um, I'd like to hope that it works out because his first season at Warrington, he was very good, wasn't he, Austin? Mm. It only seems to be this year where he's been a little bit more hit to miss. Mm. Steve, your thoughts of him going over to Leeds? Well, if it's a 12-month contract, that is the thing that would worry me about mm. it. I, I made this point about uh, Regan Grace when he signed a one-year deal for Saints. I questioned why they signed a one-year deal, what's going to happen at the end of that. That would be what I would worry about if I was a Leeds fan. Uh, but just based on his ability, I think he is a good signing. Mm. I think he gets a lot of stick, Blake Austin, uh, from, well, usually from people who don't support Warrington uh, for some of his, uh, uh, some of his uh, inconsistencies, let's say. But uh, I think... He's a good player to watch, exciting player to watch, skillful player, uh, good kicking game, and I think he will uh, dovetail pretty w- pretty well with Aidan Caesar as he has before. Uh, so I think that'll work out well for Leeds. But uh, yeah, just a question mark about what is the long term plan if he's only got a one year deal. Mm. Uh, Graham, your thoughts? Well, I think um, if you if you take your, uh, your 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 recruitment or your transfer policy as is he better than what you've got? And yeah, I think he is, and I think it's probably a, a good a good. Um, a piece of recruitment for um, for Leeds, but again, he's, again, they've lined themselves up with a, a thirty-plus halfback partnership with not a great uh, injury record, certainly over the last couple of years. So, uh, while they look good on paper, it's whether they're going to be good on the pitch with the um, the rigors of a full season. I can't, I can't. While while Caesar and Austin look like a good partnership, um, I doubt how many times uh, you'll see Caesar and Austin on the team sheets. So we'll have to have to wait and see. Yes. Um, but yeah, can't argue with his uh, quality. Mm. Yeah, so there you go. Austin going over to Leeds, joining up with Aidan Caesar. The boys uh, uh, putting the band back together, as it were. Uh, and from that point of view, Salford have signed Brisbane halfback Brodie Croft on a two-year deal. It's been announced today. Uh, from the 2022 season, the 24-year-old has made 65 NRL appearances for Melbourne Storm and Brisbane since making his first-grade debut in 2016. Uh, Croft will play out the rest of the NRL season with the Broncos before making the move to England at the end of the year. Uh, now, this one, really, Steve, for a guy 24 years old, uh, mm. I mean, this, this is a good pick-up for Salford, isn't it? I think so, yeah. I mean, much maligned. Uh, Brody Croft over in Australia. Mm. A lot of uh, Australian fans don't seem to rate him too highly. He's had his troubles at, uh, at Melbourne. And, and I think, similar to Hoppo Arty, he's playing on a struggling team at the moment. So you're not going to see you know, yeah. the very best of him, perhaps. But he, like, he's coming into a situation at Salford, which isn't all that different in terms of where they are in the competition. They're in the bottom, uh, sort of two or three of the Super League. So he's, he's sort of out of the frying pan, into the fire sort of thing if he moves from Brisbane to, uh, to Salford, albeit maybe... Uh, He's being richly compensated for it, perhaps. Um, I don't know what the actual terms of the deal are, but I think he should improve them. Uh, and certainly, they need some sort of direction and, and uh, you know organisation in that area. I don't know how long Kevin Brown can go on for, but I think mm. they need someone who can uh, you know direct them around the park. And that. I think Brody Croft has got a good all-round uh, kicking game and organisational skills, so um, he should yeah he should go well. Mm. Parker, good signing for Salford. 
Um, potentially. I mean, I think like like Steve said, he is much maligned in Australia. But then again, he was the man that replaced Cooper Cronk. So when Cooper Cronk retired, he was the unfortunate man who got given the number seven jumper at Melbourne Storm. So you're never going to jump from that to, you know, you're never going to get greatness into greatness, are you, like that? And maybe this, you know, gets me to reassess my Lewis Dodd uh, format even even better, really. Um, you know, because he... <laughs> Doddy's in that similar sort of position to how Brody Croft was trying to enter that all-star team at, at Melbourne, not quite working out for him. He goes across to Brisbane, hoping to make a really big impression. I think he did initially, but they, they've had so many issues with the halfbacks this season where yeah. they've shipped players in, moved players on. They've had more halfback performances, I think, than Lee, um, You know, which is saying something when I think Lee have named about nine different halfback pairings this season. Um, so, yeah, I hope it works out for him. But like, like Steve said, he is jumping from the fat into the fire because yeah. straight away Salford will be, you know, no matter what's decided with league structures, etc., because of the form that Salford have shown this season, they're going to be amongst the favourites for finishing towards the bottom end of the table. And can he help them on his own? I would suggest not. I would suggest that it needs to be part of more of a uh, structured signing pattern, I think, as far as Salford uh, Red Devils are concerned, but I wish him all the best. It's nice to actually get an Australian player that we can talk about who's 24 and not, yeah. you know, 29, 30, 31, 32 coming across. So, fair play to what has he done wrong? <laughs> It is, isn't it? And, and a young one. 200 years ago, it was the other way around, wasn't it? You had to do wrong to get sent over there. Go on, Graham. I'm just saying, it's got sort of a, a ring of Jack Hating signing for me, where things weren't quite going well mm. for him in Australia. He's he's decided to uh, up sticks, come over here, and uh, and Hastings, whatever you think of him, uh, certainly made a big difference to that Salford team and got them to mm. where they, they ended up in a grand final. So, and a cup final, I think. So, you know, if, if he can do that job, and uh, in two years' time he'll be back to work, back to the NRL at West Tigers, following vaccinations, he's been he's gone on to the rabbit holes or the or, or whatever. But I think it, it does seem to me to be a little bit of um, it, it sort of made for themselves in the sense that they need a good halfback, good organising halfback, and he needs a fresh start. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with him. Really, mm, yeah. Uh, and speaking of people who have made a fresh start, this one interests me. And if I was a Wigan fan. Well, I don't know. Uh, would I be annoyed? Uh, George Burgess makes astonishing rugby league return after securing NRL contract. George Burgess is back in rugby league after signing a deal with NRL side St George Illawarra Dragons. Now 29, the prop has recovered from the procedure and as such has been the success of, of, of his recovery. He has decided uh, to return to the game. Uh, he will... Sorry, he he will do so back in the NRL where he spent the majority of his career and where he won the Premiership alongside his brothers uh, for South Sydney Rabbitohs in 2014. The Dragons said Burgess will return to the field next season and has signed a two-year deal with the club. So, uh, if I remember rightly, I uh, I actually played a clip of Adrian Lamb from the changing rooms uh, when George was... Uh, was was leaving and uh, going to have his surgery, and it was as though uh, uh, it was the death knell signing for him to a certain degree. Uh, this this has totally surprised me. If he said he was coming back to Super League or or even Championship, don't get me wrong, that's not disparaging in any way. But we know the NRL is, a, you know, no matter whether you're the bottom or the top of that division, 
it, it, it's, it's a very, very tough. Uh, and to come back so soon, this just it astonishes me, I must admit. Stay yourself, your thoughts. Yeah, oh, well, when I was about eight years old, I went to Lourdes and they said, <laughs> if you go in the fountain, it'll cure you and you'll walk away. But I didn't do it because I didn't believe him. No. So I'm thinking, as George went over to Lourdes and jumped in the fountain, because this is a miraculous recovery. Uh, if I was a Wigan fan, I'd be asking questions yeah. about this because, you know, he's been allowed to leave, or retire effectively, and release from his contract. And now he turns up at St George, uh, apparently fit to play. Graham, your thoughts? I think it's amazing what uh, he's achieved and, and the, 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 the subtle plan to get out of his Wigan contract has been, uh, been fantastic, really. To get yourself into a major reconstructive hip surgery just to get out of your Wigan contract and uh, sign for an Australian club is amazing, really. They're very smart thinking. Um, I just think it's hilarious. I just think he, uh, when he gets to Wigan, he looked fat, overweight, couldn't be bothered, put the money in there. Here we go. I'll get myself fit and off we go. But it's, it's, it's uh, I don't know what to make of it. It's astonishing. We'll see how he plays, won't it? Yeah, it will. And whether he's uh, whether he's in trim condition again and uh, fit well, it's a, it's a tricky one. It's interesting to see. It puts the miracle of Fatima in the shade, I tell you. <laughs> uh, Parky, your thoughts, mate? I hope it works out for him, to be honest, you know, because, but I, I get the feeling that um, the the being sold up up there at St. George Illawarra, they're that desperate for bringing players in, mm. that they'll look at him and think, well, you know, he's had a good record, he's had a good run in the NRL, but I think they're getting the West the, the, the Naguama of the day over in Australia so I don't know whether he will actually see out the season next year, but I hope that he proves me wrong because uh, we could do with his bulk in the World Cup next year. I don't know about a pop. I think they're giving me a yard dunk to tell you the truth. <laughs> a donkey. A donkey. Oh, I don't, just. There's right down on the uh, the Gamma family. He is, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't mean to be. You know, he but just, what's like, he done to you? He's done nothing to me. Absolutely nothing. You know, but, uh, I, I always. I always love seeing him in the NRL, but I just think he's passed it over here, just like Virgil so passed it over there again. <laughs> Right, don't, just, sorry, don't, don't put my email address in. I'll be getting hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> that, that Dave Park is it? Yeah. Uh, right, uh, our last topic, uh, uh, just before we finish, uh, on the, uh, the the play of movements, uh, got to say, uh, Norm said, and um, this is going back to Will Opperwart, it says, where does this leave Josh Sim? Which is a good question. Uh, we have gone for a wolf ball. <laughs> a wolf ball. Ball, uh, I said I'll call it now. Ohio, Lafranke, and Thompson Vintage. Mm, that's interesting, isn't it? But we'll win. I tell you where I'm hoping it leads. It leads to Sim coming to Lee on loan next season. <laughs> that <would> definitely <laughs> happen for the year. Right, uh, it's I'm, a good question because yeah. you know, if Apoati plays centre, then where does Sim fit in? But as they've said, he can play in a couple of other positions. So there might be times where Sim does get a chance, but I can't see Sim being a regular if Opperwhite is around. No, no, I'm sure part of his contract that he, he'll be, you know, if I'm fit, I, I get picked to a certain extent unless I'm playing, you know, unless he's playing really, really bad. Uh, but uh, that's uh, all, all the player movements. Hang on, hang on, so, hang on, hang on. Do you reckon that anybody from Canterbury Bulldogs would be able to put that sort of term in any sort of contract given what the, their record over the last two years, especially? I, 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 <laughs> Luke Thompson would come into back to Super League. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Nah, he'll never come back to Super League. Lee. No, living <laughs> on the beach on a million pounds a year. He might do when he's 68. <laughs> have, a, have a year with Leeds at 68. He'll still be the best meter maker. <laughs> Right. Uh, the other news that sort of broke uh, just before we came on uh, or, or throughout the day is uh, Salford Red Devils skipper Lee Mossop has been forced to retire with immediate effects on medical advice uh, due to an ongoing sh- shoulder pub- problem. Apparently Salford are going to send him to the same doctor that uh, George Burgess has gone to. So he's going to be now. Uh, the, 30- the same fountain. <laughs> <laughs> The 32-year-old England prop who joined Salford in 2017 from Wigan Warriors became captain the following year has undergone 11 shoulder reconstructions uh, during his career. Mossop has played a pivotal role in changing the fortunes of Salford, helping them to the 2019 Grand Final and the 2020 Challenge Cup Final. Uh, after 79 appearances and seven tries for the Red Devils, Mossop said... It's with great sadness that today I have to announce my retirement from Rugby League. Uh, Steve, he, I mean, I must admit, I was, wasn't keen on him as a, when he was at Wigan, but when he went to, <laughs> well, when he went to that's Salford... That's part of the deal, he's going to play. <laughs> uh, that's in the contracts, yeah. When he went to Salford, uh, he was probably uh, the, the key man, wasn't he? Well, he's done a lot better at Salford than I expected, I have mm. to say, because the tendency to think where the player goes from a club like Wigan or like he's been to the NRL as well. That's right, yeah. When he comes down from that level uh, to play for a club of uh, Salford stature, no disrespect, you tend to think, oh, he's just going there to wind down and not really, um, not really do very much. But he's actually Salford have been, as we've said before, the last couple of seasons they've been actually respectable and contending mm-hmm. for trophies and had probably one of the best periods in their history, uh, probably for 30, 40 years um, in terms of challenging for trophies. So, and he's been a part of that. So. Fair play to him um, for putting the shift in and actually, uh, you know, contributing and still being an effective performer when, when it would have been easy to say, well, you know, this, this is a bit of a come down for yeah. me, so I'll uh, I'll just I'll just uh, play out time. He hasn't done that. He's, he's, he's worked pretty hard. Uh, so it's and obviously we've got to uh, be careful there, given the George Burgess news about writing him off completely. But we're going to assume that this is it for him, and uh, it's always sad when that uh, when that happens for a player. Although he is he's thirty two years old, which is not. Uh, disastrously young uh, I think for a prop forward who's you know played uh, at a very high level like he has he's had, he's had a good career so um, certainly not as uh, not as disastrous as, as the for example the Don Manfredi situation mm-hmm. he's only 27 I think and has had to retire after I think he played about I think I read the, the, the other day that he played about 80 games or something in his whole career mm-hmm. Manfredi has been around for sort of 8 years That's right, uh, yeah. so uh, Mossop Although it's unfortunate, he's had a good career and uh, he can look back at it with uh, a good deal of pride. Mm, Graham? Yeah, I agree with Steve there, but uh, was it 11, 11 shoulder reconstructions? That's unbelievable. Yeah. To, to have the guts to keep playing after that in, in, at that level is, is tremendous and, and a real tribute to him. And uh, I just hope he's, he's retired when he's not going um, to cause himself too many difficulties for his future. I think that's probably the best yeah. bet he can do to to make sure he's still got two functioning arms. Yeah. So, you know, Blayton's on a really good career, especially with that injury record. Tremendous. Parkett? I think sometimes that we never find out the full extent that players go to get on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I find it really interesting to hear that because I never knew that he'd had 11. No. You know, surgeries on his shoulders. You know, I mean, generally you have one. 
and your shoulders mm. a lot weaker than what it was before. So for him to come back, you know, like so many times and him to put so much work in. And then you look at the career that he's had and the clubs that he's represented. I mean, he's done very well, hasn't he? You know, he's a, a good bloke as well. And I know that he'll be really disappointed because he was really hoping at the start of the season. He's had, he, he was actually hoping um, at, at one point early season when he, and the way that he started off the year as well, to even get in Sean Wayne's books yeah, for, for England yeah. for a tilt at the World Cup. So maybe this has accelerated everything with there not being a World Cup. So he's then got the, the advice. Um, I think it's a, it's a blow to the game because we need warriors like that on the field. And I just wish that we knew more of these stories, to be honest. Uh, I remember having a conversation with John Duffy, ex of Lee, of course, and um, he was getting to the back end of his playing days and we were on this coach travelling to this away game. And he goes, hey, Dave, he says, want to show me this? He says, I've just got, I've got my specialist report. How's it going with this? Oh. <laughs> anyway, he, show, he shows me the specialist report and it's gone to three pages long and these are all the things that are wrong with his back. So, you know, uh, and that he's put himself and he goes, early on in my career, he said, I just get a blank piece of paper. He said, now it's getting to three pages. I think it's time I packed in. Um, you know, so it sounds like he's reached that stage as Mossop where unfortunately his race has been run. Uh, but yeah, uh, a really good player, re- regardless of what you might think. And he's uh, shenanigans against St. Helens down the years in a Wigan shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just wondering whether Salford might be sniffing round a certain uh, Kyla Moore or a Lewis McCarthy Scarsbrick over the next. Uh... Hang on, you're just hoping. You're what you've no, been after, no. Lewis McCarthy Scarsbrick. I'll drive. <laughs> he could have, have a 12 month contract at Lee I'll have him I'll have him at Lee 12 month contract Lee McCarthy's oh, guys broke in. Hey, he's still doing a job still doing a job he'd lower the average age considering the signing of Joel Tomkin <laughs> so there you go that's the, the round up of the topics of the week uh, right we're going to move into hopefully a, a full well, I can't say it being a full round of Super League uh, uh, games uh, <laughs> we live in hope we live in hope uh, so we're going to kick off with, yeah, go on Thursday night, St. Helens versus Castleford Tigers. Uh, obviously, it depends what uh, they, they put out there, but obviously this is the uh, rerun of the the Challenge Cup final stay. What do we think? Yeah, well, Cas uh, surprised me last week, as I said before, with that uh, result against Leeds. So it sounds like, or it looks like, they're uh, starting to get it together a bit more uh, and having maybe a push um, towards the top six for the end of the season. But... You still got a fancy Saints at home, uh, especially <clears throat> too strong defensively. I think they'll win it by sixteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Graham, yeah, I agree with that. Um, Saints by sixteen, possibly a bit more if we throw the ball around a bit, but um, should be a good game, high scoring. But I'm looking forward to it. Parkett, Saints by COVID nineteen. <laughs> nineteen. Uh, so, sorry, no, I'm going Saint Thomas by sixteen. Uh, so, so I'm trying to drop goal in there then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go Saints by uh, about 20. Uh, I, I think uh, after the, 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 the last game, uh, I think they'd be buoyed by that to a certain degree because uh, even though it was a bit scrappy and it was a tough game, I think uh, it was a good one for them and, and uh, they did play some uh, some good stuff. Uh, so we're moving to Catalan Dragons against All FC. I don't know whether this is on the query list, but uh, it'll be an interesting one. What do you think, guys? Steve? I think it is on the uh, questionable list, mm. but uh, I think I also read something earlier about a possible change in the uh, isolation rules, which might rescue this one. 
at the last. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, Catalan, even if it does go ahead, a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if a lot of those players, you know, have a George Burgess like comebacks off the sick beds and injury uh, in, from the injury ward. They'll and, be and closer play. to the fountain if they do. Uh, I'd fancy him, but I don't think they will. So I'm going to go cautiously. Catalan by four. Mm. Graham. Yeah, it depends which hole turn up, um, but I, I think uh, going on form and if Catalan have a few a few of them lads back, it should be Catalan by ten to twelve for me. Parkett. Uh, hole are in free fall for me, so I'm going Catalan's by sixteen. Catalan's by sixteen. Uh, just got to say, <laughs> uh, on the uh, uh, the last game. Uh, Norm's gone for Saints by 12. The other thing he's, he's come up with, he says, a more to Wakefield is the latest whisper. Well, that would be him going back to his uh, old stomping ground, wouldn't it, if that, that was the case? Yeah. So it wouldn't be a surprise in some respects. Uh, I'm going to go for Catalan by 12. Uh, Sulphur, Red Devils and Huddersfield Giants. Parky, we'll come, for you, come to you first. Really fancy Huddersfield on this one. Mm. Huddersfield by ten, I think that they uh, they'll, they'll get quite a convincing win here. Mm. Uh, Graham, this is it Salford. Uh, it is, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's a funny one. I mean, it sounds like Salford put a, a, a made a fifty minute Wigan, um, and Huddersfield is still missing the the, the, the big three. So I'm going to think it's be a bit closer than that. I'm going to go. I'm going to book the pen and go Salford by four. Mm, stay. I fancy the Giants for this one. They've had some better results in recent weeks. Beat uh, Hull, beat uh, Castleford, although we weakened Castleford and then got over Wakefield last week. So winning is a bit of a habit. So I'm going to go Huddersfield by eight. Yeah, I'm, I'm similarly still. I mean, what Giants have got to do is not, not do any silly stuff like they did against Wakefield and let uh, Salford get 18 points in front. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to take uh, Huddersfield by six. Uh, then we got Old Kingston Rovers against Wigan Warriors. Graham, we'll come to you first on Ooh, this one. Interesting one. I don't think Wigan were, are in any sort of form, um, although they've won a few, but not by much. And KR have got that habit. I'm going Old KR by 10. Parkett, come to you. I'd love it to be a similar result to last time, which was 18-8 in favour of Hull Kingston Rovers. But because they were that scrappy in the game against Lee, I'm actually backing Wigan. Wigan by four. Do you know this is recorded, don't you? I do, yeah. Yeah, I do. (laughs) Steve. I've not heard that for 30 years now. Steve. Yeah, I agree with Dave, I think. Uh, Okay, they didn't impress me at all against against Lee. Showed uh, too many frailties, which I think Wigan Mm. will... Ruthlessly exposed. So, uh, with the uh, grand final, you know, assault at the end of the season, I think we're going by 10. Uh, Old Kingston Rovers obviously got a couple of uh, major injuries there, and especially with Abdul uh, and not uh, uh, not being available. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Wigan by six. I think they'll, they'll scrape through. Norm's gone for uh, Old KR by eight. So, oh, so the uh, Centurions against Leeds Rhinos. Uh, Stay, we come to you first on this one. Well, a big improvement from Lee last week against Hull KR, but Leeds, I think, at the moment, are another level up again from uh, from Hull KR. Uh, so I think they'll struggle. Uh, I'm going to go Leeds by 16. Graham, come to you. Yeah, I can't, I can't see anything but Leeds win, although I did think they'd be um but Leeds by, not by so many, I think Leeds by 12. 
Mm. Park it. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was in the middle of a dream there where Lee were beating Leeds by 26 points, but that's uh, that, that that's not going to happen, I don't think. I, you I'm weren't on the same up. bus as Steve Le- when he went to Lewards, are you? I, I'm going to go Leeds. I didn't work either. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Leeds by eight, even though I will pray to the rugby gods this week. Mm. Well, we've got to win one sometime, Dave. Exactly. And why can it not be on the, you know, 50 years since we beat Leeds in the Challenge Cup final? Why can it not be this year? Uh, I'm going to take Leeds by six. Uh, I, I was, was going to go for Leeds, but I, I've just got a feeling that, nah, it, it's... Uh, be interesting. Be interesting. And then... Uh, Wakefield Trinity against Warrington Wolves. I think this would probably be another if we won, is it? Was it who who had the COVID? Was it Hull or was it Warrington? It was Hull. Hull was had Hull. the COVID. Oh, so yeah. this one maybe maybe uh, uh, may, may survive, <laughs> depending on uh, whether all the Wakefield players have not walked out on Chris Chester by the, by the end of the week. Mm. Uh, Parker will come to you first. I predict Chris Chester will still have 12 wins, uh, but this time out of 57 games. Um, yeah. And I reckon that it's going to be Warrington by at least 18 points. Mm. Uh, we're coming to you, Graham. Well, Wakefield in free four, so it should be probably 50 by with Warrington by 50, but Wakefield might just turn up. You never know what's going to happen with Wakey. Um But logically, logic says Warrington by 16. Mm. State. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I think Warrington are a lot better than Wakefield anyway. And in the, the crisis confidence that Wakefield seem to be in at the moment and all the comments that Chester's made and makes the situation even worse, uh, I would say Warrington by 24. Ooh, he's, uh, he's gone for it there. Gone big style. Uh, I'm going to go for Warrington by 12. Uh, Norm has gone for Lee by 7. 7. Uh, drop goal, goal. Uh, drop goal. Hang on, who's going to kick this drop I goal don't for know. me? Because we, we didn't set one up when we had the chance on Sunday. Thieves. <laughs> and he's gone for Wyatt by 24 uh, on the uh, uh, Wakefield Tennessee versus Warrington Wolves. So uh, that's about it, gents. It's uh, It's been a good one. I, I've enjoyed it tonight. I mean, I must admit, last week was good. And it was one of those where it was just myself and Steve. And I thought... We, we may struggle to get enough uh, enough time out of, of of what we were going to do. I think we're only going to do an hour, and I think we did an hour and twenty minutes, didn't we? Say did a bit more than an hour, yeah, yeah. yeah so you but... reckon without my ability to waffle? As I say, never been a problem talking, has it, Steve? The thing is, now I've learned which topics I can throw at him, which he will go off on, and I, uh, just keep my powder <laughs> dry and don't let him know because <laughs> I know which ones he'll go off on. Uh, but uh, big thanks to Norm, as per usual, for joining us on the old chat box. Uh, it's been great uh, having you with us, uh, as always. Uh, Got to say thanks to, uh, of course, the boys. Thanks to to Parker, to Graham, and to Steve. Uh, don't forget, uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you can actually listen to us live on a Monday uh, from seven o'clock onwards uh, and join in on the debate like Norm does uh, every Monday. Uh, and last week we had uh, one of the oh, well, one guy from Switzerland and one from uh, from America. So, you know, if you're only just down the road from us, get onto uh, either iTunes, Spreaker, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Castbox, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Podchasers, and other uh, sort of good or not so good uh, 
pod distributors and listen to it whenever you want. I know a couple of the guys have been listening to it when they're in the gym. Uh, but if not, try and get that down on uh, when we're on live because it can interact with us and join in with the conversation. And uh, that's what we really want. So uh, once again, thanks, Steve. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Uh, cheers, Graham. Cheers, good night. Uh, I'm Parkett. Uh, so, are you, are you over your COVID isolation now? Can you can you I, go out? I am. I'm, 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 I can get out again. Yeah. So I was able to get to work today. Uh, so that means that, unfortunately, because of the the hours that I've got to do on Wednesday, that we won't have time for a, a community rugby league show this week. So my apologies in advance of that. But it's been great coming on this one. Yeah, yeah, great to have you with us, and, and especially when Lee nearly did it at the weekend. Anyway, we'll see ah, what... But that, there was the word, though, no. nearly. nearly. <laughs> Until nearly we actually meant. do it, you know, the nearly men. You know, we've been nearly there 15 times this season. <laughs> Join us next week to see if Lee nearly do it again. I'll see you. ta <laughs>